and welcome back to the Upper Bowl GM podcast. As always, it is your host, Nick Zararis. So, originally, today's episode was going to be me talking about the series that had played out on Tuesday night, the games that had played on Tuesday, and you'd be hearing me talk about that. Instead, the Rangers and Penguins decided to go to triple overtime, and the Rangers decided to make me question my will to live in just the first game of the postseason. So instead, we're audibling. I'm going to be talking about the four games that were played on Wednesday night as I am recording. The Lightning thoroughly mollywopped the Leafs up in Toronto and tied that series up at one game apiece. Carolina and Boston. Uh, the Bruins might be done, like done-done. Like their window was probably closed already, but this series is just kind of emphasizing the difference between being a good regular season team and being a good postseason team. As I am recording right now, the Wild are up 4 nothing on the Blues. Billy Huso is having himself a rough Wednesday night in Minneapolis. And over my left shoulder, I have the Oilers and the Kings on. It is still 0-0. There's about four minutes to go in the first period. But before we start talking about the state of the NHL playoffs, I do have to remind everyone to help support the show. Please, 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 subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. If... You are an Apple podcast or a Spotify user. Please leave the show a review on Apple podcast. Once you've hit subscribe, that plus sign in the top right corner, you just scroll down a little bit past like five or six episodes or so. Then there's going to be five clear purple stars. You hit the one furthest to the right. That's a five star review. Underneath that is a button with purple letters that says write a review. If you could be so kind, please, please, please leave the show a review. I say it every episode. I'm going to say it now. If you enjoy other people's content, whether it be on YouTube, on TikTok, on Instagram, if they're podcast creator, if they're a Twitter user, wherever, if somebody's making content you enjoy, please share it, interact with it. If it's a podcast, leave it a review. That type of engagement really helps content creators out a lot. Okay. Oh, one last thing before we start today's show. Writing a lot. The hockey playoffs get the good stuff out of me. I wrote a really comprehensive first-round preview uh, preview for the Rangers and Penguins. That went up on Monday before Game 2, uh, Game 1 on Tuesday. Tuesday, the morning of Game 2, I wrote a feature about why I love the NHL playoffs so much. It was titled 8 things for eight thoughts for 8 NHL playoff series. Bounced around a variety of big-picture topics that part of what makes this time of year so interesting i have another post going up on gotham sports network on thursday tactical matchups adjustments the rangers could make based off of how game one went what they struggled with how they can tweak it and that'll be up sometime on thursday on gotham sports network where you can read all of my hockey my baseball and football and as a matter of fact, before I started recording tonight's episode, I was editing the Jetstream, Gotham's Jets podcast, about their draft last week. So check out Jesse and Connor's pod. Check out all of the work on Gotham. Got a lot of really good creators over there. And I'll see you guys in one sec. We'll talk about the NHL playoffs. With that, we can start today's show. 
We're not going to take too long here because there is so much hockey still to be played and it's impossible to draw judgments. That's the first thing I want to touch on here. Before we focus in on any series so far, it is imperative you do not draw snap conclusions from just one or two hockey games. Even the Bruins, who look pretty dead against Carolina, they still haven't lost a game on home ice yet, which is typically when you can say a series has started to swing in a team's favor. Whichever team wins a road game first usually ends up winning that series and has the momentum on their side. And even though I'm not a huge believer in momentum because it's not something you can really prove other than emotion, and you would have to ask all 18 guys and the two goalies, how they feel to chart whether or not they were feeling positive emotion based on how a game went. But I digress. Enough nerd talk for a second. Don't go making any snap judgments yet. Yes, the Lightning looked awful in game number one. The Leafs were skating circles around them. They Tampa was taking really bad penalties, letting that uh, Toronto power play get going. And Toronto looked firmly in control of that game. And I... I sent more than one text message to another person, one of my hockey friends, saying, is Tampa dead? Are they just too tired? And then very, very promptly on Wednesday night, they returned the favor and gave the Leafs a nice road ass-whipping, which, like I just said, could very well swing this thing back in Tampa's favor because winning that road game, especially as a team that doesn't have home ice advantage, which Tampa does not, Now all you got to do, you win three home games and you're good if you're Tampa. And the Leafs will adjust. The Leafs will adjust. It will be okay. But the first thing I want to touch on after we talk about just the whole no snapshot, the talent gap is very apparent between the good teams and the bad teams. Uh, Colorado did unholy things to the Nashville Predators. The poor Predators without UC Soros left David Riddich out there to die. The Bruins have left Linus Olmark out there to die. And then we've seen a lot of these games get out of hand very quickly. Uh, Game one of the Wild Blues series, the Blues blew the Wild out at home. Tonight, the Wild are up 4-0, not even midway, a fourth of a way into the second period. So it just goes to show you how important getting off to a good start in these games is and following up on your good start because... The Rangers got off to a great start on Tuesday night. Even though they were only up one nothing after the first period, I think the scoring chances were 16 for New York, 14 for Pittsburgh. It felt like they were in pretty good shape there and that they had had a decent control of the game because they were pressuring Pittsburgh, forcing them into turnovers, throwing the body, winning the puck. And then after that, the Rangers just stopped winning the puck. So even though I'm... <clears throat> I'm not ready to write the Rangers off yet after one game. I was not impressed with how they played, but I, I think that's fair to say. A lot of teams didn't look great on the fir- in their first playoff game. A lot of these teams did not dress full lineups down the last week or two of the season because they were trying to get t- guys healthy, rest, and be in a situation where they could play. I was worried, of course, that Igor Shosturkin, the Rangers goaltender, would be... Um, a little rusty, not having played in the better part of 9, 10 days, but Shesterkin was terrific. If you want to hear my thoughts on the Rangers specifically, I did record for Hunter Hody's Lockdown Penguins podcast on Wednesday. We recorded it Tuesday night at like 1 in the morning as soon as the game ended. Really fun conversation, a little bit more of a nuanced tactics-type breakdown of what went wrong for the Rangers, and you can read more about that some point on Thursday, which should be up on Gotham, like I said before in the introduction, what went wrong for New York. But 
talking about the big picture here, where we're at through two games in half of these series, and then the other half will play their game twos on Thursday night. The really good team showed out. Um, Colorado looked amazing. I I know Calgary only won one nothing, but it felt like Calgary was firmly in control of that game. And then you had some weird things. You had Florida lose to a Washington team that pretty much everybody wrote off that expected Washington was dead on arrival. It would be a matter if it was five or four games, but Washington hung around. They were able to bog that game down and turn it into a rock fight. And that's a really good way for me to transition into the main topic I want to talk about. This won't be a particularly long episode, maybe 25 minutes total, but we always talk about how hockey in the playoffs is different from the regular season, that there's less space, You have to make your decisions half a beat, a full second faster than you would in the regular season. And let's start with this. The reason the game is so much faster in the playoffs is because the teams are better. These are the 16 best teams. Well, I don't think the NHL has, you know, 16 teams capable of winning the Stanley Cup any given season. They put 16 teams in the playoffs. To be good enough to make the playoffs after 82 regular season games, you have to have a decent amount of talent on your roster. You don't need to have a ton. I mean, the Stars have five, six actively good players, and then other than that, it's a lot of replacement level and unproven talent. Um, The Bruins are basically six, seven guys now in a lineup of 18. There's a lot going on in these games, and... If you are a shallower team where you only have one or two lines you can depend on to score, you have a harder time in the postseason. So what makes playoff hockey different? So number one, the teams are better. And this is one of those things that you got to wrap your head around that you might not think about. And it sounds very obvious, but more likely than not, if a team makes the playoffs, it means it has good players. Okay, we all agree on that, right? Yeah? Okay. If they have good players... When you think, in in your mind, you close your eyes, you think what a good hockey player is. They're in the right position. They're a little, they're pretty fast, too quick, one of those two. They're agile. They're able to find where they need to be. That is the best type of player, the player who makes everything look easy. In the postseason, because teams are playing against other good teams, That means the other team's good players are going to push back against your good players more often than they would, say, if you were playing a poor team or a less talented team. And in the playoffs, we've seen this phenomena year after year. Teams that are rush-based offenses where they gain the zone quickly with speed and control of the puck, they have a harder time in the playoffs because there's less space to operate because the other team is faster. That is something we need to talk about okay when there's less space to operate it's because the other team's defense is in the right position because they're faster and they're more they just have better hockey iqs you don't necessarily need to be the fastest guy to be in the right position all the time ask adam fox all about that but when there's less space to operate the teams that are based on scoring off the rush they have a harder time the rangers for instance they couldn't generate offense off of the rush against pittsburgh and they had no fallback plan 
when you think about what the Leafs try to do as a rush-based offense because of all their high-end talent, they weren't able to get going in transition against the Lightning on Wednesday night, and that inhibited their ability to score. We've t- I've talked about it ad nauseum over the last couple of weeks. We've seen it from the Golden Knights. We've seen it from the Avalanche in years past where they've lost to less talented teams because there was less space and their high-end players weren't able to make plays. That's part of this. The best types of teams in the playoffs are those that can score in multiple ways, and multiple ways throughout the lineup. Everybody talks about how good the Lightning's third line was last year. What made the Lightning such a good team in the playoffs for each of the last two postseasons, they are able to score off of the rush, and if that's not there because the defense is pinching and they're making you dump and chase or they're not giving you the cross-team pass to make that high-danger play, that really good scoring chance that everybody's chasing, the Lightning are more than content to grind you into a pulp. They will cycle the puck down low. They will get it up high to the point. They will shoot from the point and look for that rebound, that redirection. Uh, a pure The goalie just doesn't see it because he's being screened. That is the type of offense that's replicable. When you're doing stuff like that, that doesn't rely on the other team making a mistake. If you keep cycling the puck over and over and over again and getting it to the point and looking for those rebounds, those redirects, those ugly scoring chances, that is a recipe for sustained success because you can do that in spite of how the other team is playing. And then if the other team starts guarding the half walls and trying to break up the cycle, they're going to open up the middle of the ice for you. So that's the baseline here. That is one thing a team can do if they are having a hard time scoring off the rush because that's not there because the other team is playing good defense. You're going to have to go win puck battles. And this is the next part of that conversation. This is a very grueling way to play hockey. You need to have elite conditioning, and you need to have guys with high motors to play this style of hockey. The Flames do it very well. The Carolina Hurricanes do it very well. They are constantly on the puck, and if they don't have it, they're pressuring whoever does have the puck to try and get it back. That is something that is physically taxing. The Rangers, for instance, did that the entire first period. They played like they were shot out of a cannon, like they did amphetamines before the game, like it was a baseball game in the 70s. They popped some greenies, and they were flying out there. Uh, ESPN was ready to give Ryan Reeves the con Smythe after one period, how much he was flying and impacting the game there. Then the Rangers got tired. It is grueling work to play like that, and if you're not accustomed to playing like that or you're not particularly good at it, then you run into real issues of scoring offense sustainably, which is something that some of these teams are going to encounter, especially the later you get into the playoffs and your quality of opponent increases. The thing that is difficult about hockey, and this is true about soccer as well, when we think about football... You think about how you game plan for your opponent every single week. You tweak your game plan to what you're good at in relation to what the other team is bad at, and you try and take advantage of those perceived mismatches. Same thing is true in basketball, in soccer, and in hockey. Teams do not have alternate game plans. They do not have other means of attacking, especially in the regular season. In the playoffs, you might have time to adjust things, but... In hockey and in soccer, you're going to end up in a situation where if something's not working, the team is just going to triple, quadruple, quintuple, sextuple, 
I, I forget what the word for seven is, but they're going to keep doing the same thing over and over again until it breaks through or they get embarrassed, which is why some of these games can get away from them so quickly. But that's just the nature of hockey. Teams do not play, have multiple they don't have multiple th- formations in their playbook. This isn't football where if they notice something midway through the game, they're going to say, oh, no, 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 let's go to 12 personnel. Let's get a second tight end out there. That way they put an extra linebacker in the box, and if we throw out of that, we're going to have a numbers advantage because there's going to be linebackers on tight ends, and we like that for us. There's nothing like that in hockey, unfortunately. If a team is doing something well, they're going to keep doing it. If they're not doing something well, there is no alternative. They are going to double down on what they've been doing and try and do it better. That is just the nature of hockey, and it is why these games can get so frustrating, especially if your team is doing something and you see it's not working. If your team is constantly firing shots from the point that are getting blocked before it even get the puck even gets below to the net mouse, you're not going to be having a fun game because you're going to have pucks going the other way. You're going to have odd man rushes. Ooh, and the Blues just scored. Okay. Four to one. Uh, the Blues are a frisky team. I don't know if they're a very good team, but they do worry me a tiny bit, especially considering how they played in game one that they swept the regular season series against the Wild, including a thrashing at the Winter Classic in sub-zero temperatures, which was kind of absurd, but circling back, circling back. These are the most chaotic games of the year. And in this first round where you have... This is where you're going to see the biggest talent disparities of the entire postseason, but... You're going to see some wild shit over the next couple days into next week, depending on how long some of these series go. Um, Okay, I don't know if I ever did this on the podcast, but for the record, I did pick before the series started. Uh, You can find this on my Twitter, at Nick Zararis. I picked the Rangers in six over the Penguins, the Panthers in five over Washington, which isn't looking very good, Carolina in six over Boston, And then, what's the last East? Oh, and then I picked the Leafs over the Lightning in six. Those were my four Eastern Conference predictions. Then in the West, I had the Minnesota Wild in seven games, the Oilers over the Kings in six games, the Calgary Flames over the Dallas Stars in five games, and then the Avalanche over the Predators in five games as well. I've, so far... The team that's impressed me the most was Colorado because they just beat the absolute shit out of the Predators. And to be fair, I didn't expect a particularly close series, especially because Nashville doesn't have UC Soros. But that was an ass-kicking. Uh, Nashville's going to need a lot better effort that just to keep it close, let alone to win a game here or there. That's the thing, man. If you're a team like Nashville, a team like the Stars, who's just in the playoffs and knows they're probably not getting past the first round, win a game or two. Make your fans happy. That That's what I would say to those teams. So, other than that, I will say, through the first set of Game 1s, the two best games were the Oilers and the Kings, their Game 1, and then the Rangers and the Penguins Game 1, which was about as chaotic as it gets, man. And it's kind of fucked up the Rangers and Penguins did that in the first game of their series, because, I mean, you had guys play 
40 plus minutes in a hockey game and now they have to rest for Wednesday and get ready to go again on Thursday today when you're going to be listening to that. That's a tall fucking order, man, to play 44, 45 minutes in an NHL game. You have one day off and then you got to get ready to go. And the possibility that it could just happen again because this sport, for all of its beautiful madness, you end up playing a three-overtime game, a two-overtime game. You play two of those in a series. You've played nine games worth of minutes if you go seven games, and that's taxing. That wears you out for the next round. We've seen that happen more than once where a really good team gets through a tough series and then plays an inferior opponent in the next round. Uh, look no further than the Vegas Golden Knights last year. They beat the Avalanche. And then they lost to Montreal because they were just out of gas. Uh, the Winnipeg Jets losing to the Vegas Golden Knights after going seven games with the Nashville Predators back in 2018. All of this stuff is cumulative. That's one of the parts you have to remember here in terms of playoff series is every game is building towards the next series. Every single play is building up towards the next sequence in the game. And it all accumulates over time. It's why the old heads love to talk about dumping and chasing and having the bigger body defensemen. Because the bigger body defensemen are, in theory, going to be able to withstand the hits in the corners over the course of a series better than smaller defensemen. Even though Patrick Nemeth had himself a horrendous hockey game, I'm sure because he was big and he knocked some people over. I bet you there are heads out there on Rangers Facebook swearing Patrick Nemeth had a good game because he knocked a couple penguins down in the first period before proceeding to have piss running down his leg the entire game, ward to coach 30. Okay, we're almost done on today's show. Not going to go too much longer because I do want to watch the end of... I want to watch the Kings-Oilers game with a little bit more of attention than I did the other day because I was working on something else. And that's been my biggest problem right now, trying to manage watching all of the games at the same time, actively watching them while taking notes and trying to retain information. That way I can come and do the podcast, but I also need to be able to record the podcast. Ooh, the Oilers Discord on the power play. Leon, nice to see it. Yeah, no, it's very difficult to try and watch four hockey games in the span of the four and a half, five hour window, the seven to one a.m., record a podcast i've been writing a blog each of the last few days because there's a lot to write about so it's been difficult to get everything squeezed in uh i do need to sleep at some point and because these games don't end till 1 30 in the morning i don't get to sleep till 2 i gotta wake up i gotta go have a day gotta write go to the gym all that good stuff it accumulates this time of year it brings out the best in everybody not just the hockey players and the content creators too so the last thing i want to touch on before we part ways and i will talk to you guys tomorrow we'll talk about the games that were played on thursday night i'll probably have a lot of ranger thoughts unless i go on the locked on penguins podcast again which i might i've been called as a pin a possible pinch hitter if necessary if there's a scheduling conflict there but we'll be back tomorrow we'll talk more about the series a little bit more in depth but my biggest takeaway so far is just it's a long way to go that's the most important thing you need to remember in these series seven games in a best of seven series takes the better part of 11 12 days it is tiring it will wear on your soul and you have to pace yourself 
you have to pace yourself. If you're one of those people who drinks when they're watching a game, you got to slow it down. I know the inclination is two drinks a period, three drinks a period during the playoffs, but if you're trying to go if your team's going to the second round, that's going to add up. If you're a if you're a toker, maybe don't take a whole blunt to the face during the first period and be catatonic for the second and third period. Then you if you smoke the blunt during the first period of the Ranger game, you probably missed the third overtime is what I'm going to go out on a limbing guess. Moderation, folks. We got to all pace ourselves to survive this time of year because the stress is very real. Um, I'm not going to lie to you. I was sitting at a resting heart rate of about 110 most of the overtimes in that Ranger-Penguins game. Okay. I hope everybody enjoyed today's show. I know I didn't go too in-depth on anything yet, but I got to watch more of these games. I want to get a better feel for them. I want to take more notes. I might go back and watch some of the games rewatch some of the games to get a better feel for them so I can write a little bit more in-depth notes and talk better about them here on the podcast because I don't want to go talking out of my ass. I care too much about doing a good job, but as you can tell, I had a lot to say about the Rangers and Penguins because I wrote a whole blog. I went on the Lockdown Penguins podcast and I could do another 20 minutes right now about just tactics and matchups because that was the game I've watched the most intently through the first two games, of course. That's my favorite team. I w- wouldn't surprise you. But other than that, the Ra- the Lightning and Leafs are playing a very fun series because there's so much high-end talent all over the ice for both of those teams. The Blues and Wild don't like each other, which is very fun. The Oilers and Kings has a weird vibe where those teams, for some reason, aren't really liking each other, even though they're not true rivals. They haven't really played each other in a meaningful series in God knows how long. But I'll be very honest with you, podcast listener. I saw the score of the Florida-Washington game. I kept looking over at that TV. I watched it during the intermissions of the Rangers and Penguins game, but obviously my favorite team was playing. I had to do a podcast about that game. I need to go back and rewatch the Washington-Florida game. That's one perk of all of these games being on ESPN is that the games are available to watch on demand the next day. And that's very helpful as a content creator. And if you wanted to learn a little more and crunch the tape, it's available there for you. I know not everybody has the time to do that, but being that this is my job, I am going to go and do that at some point so I have a better understanding of how Washington was able to slow Florida down, keep that game low scoring, and play so well. But that's going to just about do it for today's show. Check out the piece that's going to go up on Gotham Sports Network sometime on Thursday about matchup adjustments for the Rangers. I hope you guys enjoyed today's show. We will be back tomorrow. We will talk more about playoff hockey. And as these series develop and we have a little bit better of an understanding about the tactics, the decision making, then I can start peeling back the onion. Okay, I'll see you guys tomorrow.